0: Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 71, fourth season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. We're paving your way to fantasy glory and excellence. We are going to be your lead blocker on this journey. This just endless quest really. Endless is the right word for it. This thing never really stops. I'm your host Nat the Truth Jones with me as always the Wolf of Roto Street himself. We got big news coming across the ticker right now. Uh, and we've, the biggest news probably of all of them is we both got haircuts and we both look really good right now. At least relative <laughs> to our normal looks. We've gone from six and a halfs to nines overnight, people. So, uh, you know, enjoy this video. Soak it up. How you doing, Wolf?
1: I am doing fantastic outside the fact that my microphone decided to not work and I have to go back to my old first ever CAD, I think it's called, mm. which I've been told is the worst microphone to ever exist. So I hope this doesn't sound too horrible, people, and I hope my haircut, if you're watching the video, makes up for the sound. quality. Yeah, yeah. It certainly does. Hopefully you're getting the eye candy with this too because, yeah, soak that all in. And man, it, the excitement though is just unbearable at this point. We have three – I mean I wanted to have this humongous free agency like risers, fallers, penny stocks episode, but then I was making the agenda and it's like – like two hours in and I only had three people and that's three fucking fantasy just stalwarts premium talents first rounders OBJ Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell how can we not just dedicate an episode to these three because there's just such wide-reaching implications not just for these guys but everyone around them and their new teams and then everyone they're leaving behind just it's enormous so we have to cover those three in a standalone pod and I can't wait to do it
0: yeah you would be really hard-pressed to find three guys that we could cover like with such big news surrounding them in the Span of like a couple days, at least as far as it, fantasy. It, it I mean, March. these are three it, of the biggest names in football. Let's not kid ourselves.
1: Has this ever happened? Like in March, that this three enormous size names all have massive moves. Like has this ever happened? I don't even know. Uh,
0: nothing comes to mind. I have to admit. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a star driven league as far as quarterbacks. I mean, your quarterbacks are your stars in this league. If you go beyond quarterbacks, and I mean, obviously, there's some guys that transcend that. You got two of those guys in this thing right now and Le'Veon Bell I mean arguably the best like all-around player in football you I mean you have to say I think he's uh his usage rate uh, his carries per game the amount of use they give him is like the most in NFL history so this is a really significant guy um OBJ Antonio Brown I mean these are both guys that are you know famous in their own rights and great, great football players. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the trades. Obviously, two of these came by way of trades. Uh, we're going to talk about the free agent signing. Obviously, that's Le'Veon Bell. So it's a little bit of a drive-by episode, but we're going to go in-depth. It's not going to be just like a quick take. We're going to, we're going to you know, talk about this to our heart's content, um, and then we're going to come back maybe even as soon as tomorrow with another podcast where we're going to talk about some of the other free agents and uh, you know wheeling and dealing going on in the NFL. But this one was uh, just a little bit too big for us to pass up on as far yep. as one episode. So we're going to crank this thing out, end it as soon as we can. Hopefully I'll be able to see most of Survivor, which is on tonight, and I will edit the podcast oh, yeah. during that, and uh, we'll go from there. Let's talk. First of all, let's talk about the trade that is probably – uh, responsible for you having to change your underwear several times in the last, I don't know, twelve hours or whatever, and that, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., the guy that last podcast I admitted I was start of, like kind of starting to come around, come around on for the first time ever, um, OBJ to the Cleveland Browns, truly the stuff of fantasy wet dreams. But I mean, not just dreams. Like this is the, this is the type of thing that can make you wet while you're awake.
1: Oh, I know, I know. If I wore underwear, I'd be changing
0: them constantly right. throughout the day. Be but my, my, We're both free-balling. Who are we kidding?
1: Absolutely, but I've had to change my slacks quite a bit this, uh, <laughs> this day because, my God, Odell Beckham going to the Browns is enormous. I mean, we talk about fantasy wood lasting for four mm. hours or longer. It's, it's been permanent. It's tough to, to be a teacher when you've got these type of implications going on.
0: You've got to stay seated been, behind the desk a lot.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I haven't been, it's been finals week, thanks God, so I don't have to move at all. I can just hide behind my desk. And dream about Odell Beckham <laughs> heaving in passes from Baker Mayfield instead of Eli Manning just makes me so fucking happy and horny and excited. And oh, my God, there's just the implications are enormous. I mean, there's you're an Odell hater, so. no, I, yeah.
0: I, I told you last podcast I was starting to come around on him. I really did say that. I mean, I, I said I would take him before Antonio Brown last podcast, which is something you've never even remotely heard me say before. This, of never. course, makes me much more interested in him but like you said in the intro there's so many implications around this trade um that aren't just him and i mean i don't know we can hit those one by one if you want but i mean the the one that jumps out at me the most is jarvis landry um you know the guy pretty much proved to us he's not a number one guy but i think he would be a great number two guy opposite Beckham. and now all of a sudden as down as i was on him after last year i'm very much back in again how about you Oh, yeah. So Jarvis Landry's definitely he's uh, number three on my list
1: of implications. But why don't we just start with him? I mean, these are former teammates. They know each other very well from their LSU days. They're best friends. They stay in constant contact. So you got to imagine one that just helps Odell Beckham mentally, which is obviously humongous for him, is the mental side of things, being content where he's at and not whining and bitching and throwing shit on the, the sideline going to Cleveland is going to be the absolute perfect antidote for all those antics I think it's humongous for that mental side of Beckham and obviously Landry too being with his best friend and as you mentioned Landry is the ideal number two he needs somebody clearing out that space for him and there's no one better than Odell Beckham to create that space the the deep speed the explosiveness the ridiculous downfield catches that's going to draw the defense's attention And when Landry gets one on one catches when he has space underneath that's when he's by far at his peak at his most effective and this new air raid style offense you got Todd Munkin coming in with 23 years of experience running an air raid offense they run the the four crosses the mesh routes that we talked about with Drew Hollingshead he's talking Drew Drew was very emphatic that any receiver that can do damage in space is unbelievable in this offense because all it is designed to to do is get them space get the ball in their hands and let them do their thing there's no one better than Landry in that style of offense he's going to rack up yardage uh, after the catch so yes Landry humongous winner I had him down at like the the low 70s before Odell came because yeah, when he's getting doubled and he's the focal point of the passing game and the defense, and uh, you know, as a consequence of that, he's no good. But when he has that that number one guy lifting the lid and giving him the space, there's very few that are as dangerous as him. So I think he's right back into that hundred potential catch mode with tons of yardage after the catch and this most more explosive attack. I'm thrilled about about Landry, but obviously at, at number three on my implications list, there, there's a lot more to cover.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if back is one of the guys that you're talking about of on course. this list i mean is are you talking <laughs> number, one. number okay I, I didn't know if he counted as an implication but let's talk yeah. about odell beckham i was i was kind of casting him aside because i assumed that that was the main course anyway odell yeah. beckham jr um aside from injuries uh which has happened once or twice i mean like he's he's been just a offensive machine the guy produces yeah. like crazy um you know he's, he's you know, he's such a large part of the Giants' offense, certainly a large part of their passing offense. It's just an understatement to even bring that up. Eli Manning is just garbage and has been for Absolutely. years. And the guy still produces. Um, Baker Mayfield seems to be a guy that's very much on the up. And, yeah. you know, giving him a weapon like this, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe there'll be a sophomore slump for Baker. Maybe he won't pan out the way we think. But right now, all signs are are pointing in a very encouraging direction. Um, Yeah. Plus, I mean, all right. So we'll talk. Let's talk about Odell for a second. What do you think? What What are your predictions for what we what What's the ceiling for this guy? Uh, And and you know, what's your floor? Like, barring injury, what do you think we're going to see out of OBJ? I mean, we can just start kind of with that fantasy stock formula style
1: breakdown that we love to do over here. The talent's indisputable. I think uh, no one's going to argue that he's a top five receiver in the game, because of course he is. Some might even say he's the number one receiver in the game. I know you wouldn't, but there's a lot of people out there that consider him the most explosive, best young talent at the position, and uh, he's in my top three. I love the guy. I love what he can do. Just so explosive in his routes and his after the catch. Everything about the guy, just explosive. The one word that comes to mind when you see Beckham. Terror at every single layer of the field, there's not a route the guy can't run to perfection, and the hands are... There's nobody better. The the one-handed catches, the acrobatic plays. He makes things happen when he's covered. He makes things happen when the ball's in his hands. The guy is a big play threat waiting to happen. And then you go and swap out, as you mentioned, the horrible Eli Manning, maybe the worst starting quarterback in the NFL right now for Baker Mayfield, maybe Maybe. the most exciting young guy in the NFL right now. Uh, And this is especially important because Baker Mayfield, even with a pretty shitty overall weapon cabinet last year, ranked number 2 in deep pass. Rating, uh, especially under Freddie Kitchens when he took over. And oh, uh, meanwhile, Eli Manning ranked all the way down at 17. So that's an enormous jump for a I mean, guy.
0: I, what do you think Eli Manning would have been without Odell Beckham? Uh, it, was, it would have been nothing. Because it would that, have been that absolute, completely but that, inflates. Yeah. I was surprised to hear he was that high, but it completely inflates your numbers like that if you're a quarterback and you have a weapon like that.
1: And uh, so much of it was after the catch, too. Like, it looks better than it is because his average depth of target and whatnot ranked six, like in the bottom five. Three, seven yards downfield
0: so. was like a heave for him
1: right exactly it was pathetic and then you get a guy that's made his money on the deep ball 11 of his 27 touchdowns came on deep passes that was the most uh ratio of deep passing touchdowns in the nfl baker is a master at the deep ball and odell's the most explosive threat in the league that's going to be magic and money especially when you put him as we mentioned todd monk in the air raid offense you got four verticals meshes all this stuff designed to give him space nobody's more dangerous. i mean landry's as dangerous as it gets with the ball because he's more like a running back but odell can just catch a slant and then rip it past the entire entire defense like nobody else. There's no one that can catch this guy once he gets going. We haven't really seen that since his rookie year, but Todd Munkin's a master at designing that style of play, so we'll see that. We'll see him going deep and vertical. Uh, We've Fitzpatrick and James Winston in this air raid offense, even though those two are pretty shitty, definitely less talents than we have with... Uh, with Baker Mayfield here, those two led the league in pass, per, uh, pass yards per attempt. 8.8 for Fitzpatrick, 8.4 for Winston. That was 1 and 2 because Munken just loves the deep ball. So he gets a guy in Mayfield that can throw it better than either of those two by a mile. It's going to be a beautiful marriage of the coaching scheme, of the deep passing talent, and now the ultimate deep threat weapon in Beckham. So there's nothing but upside here. He rises in coaching scheme to a perfect 15 out of 15. He rises uh, in in surrounding talent from a palt tree, which is where his, he was lowest because of Eli, from sure. a paltry like nine surrounding um, talent to now a, a 14 with Baker Mayfield. He drops a little bit in usage because there are more weapons here. Freddie Kitchens does like to spread the ball a bit more, so he takes like a one-point hit in usage because even though he'll be used much better, he probably will see a less, less volume. I mean, Mike Evans had 140 or so targets last year. Did a ton of damage with them, so the efficiency will spike, but the actual sheer volume might take a hit. Uh, but overall, it's clearly a win. He goes from an 88 stock score all the way up to a 95 for me right now the risk is there you mentioned the health He's only uh he's played um where is the stat right here he's missed 21 games across five seasons so he has missed a significant chunk of time in in multiple years a
0: lot of that was in one year though i mean probably half of that was in one year
1: Exactly. He ended last year missing four games. He started his rookie year missing four games. A lot of it is uh, annoyingly those soft tissue injuries. I hate to see a guy have those recurring soft tissue things because those just just tend to never go away. So I am nervous about the health. But I mean, you look at this stat right here before I go on to other players. There's only four players who have 40 plus receiving touchdowns since 2014. We got Antonio Brown, who we're going to talk about momentarily. 59 touchdowns in 76 games. DeAndre Hopkins. I should actually just had you guess and see if you could have got them all, because they're obviously monsters. DeAndre Hopkins, 45 and 79. Mike Evans had 40 and 77. And then, of course, Odell Beckham, he had 44. But whereas those guys all were you know closer to 80 games, he had 44 touchdowns in 59 games. I mean, that's just an absurd scoring pace. There's no one as explosive as this guy, so obviously he gets the 5 out of 5 upside bonus. I think he's got the highest ceiling of any receiver in fantasy. He's up to number 3 on my wide receiver list. Number 11 enters the first round uh, on my big board after ranking right around 20 three or four with Eli Manning I think just everything is such a massive stock up arrow for this guy I can't wait to see what he does in Cleveland I'm so excited about it
0: yeah I'm pretty I mean I I'm all in too I'm excited about it too I mean I gotta say when I've been bashing Odell Beckham as you know like when Jimbo's like oh I'm gonna take him first and stuff like that I mean when I bashed him the last three years or so uh, and just to be clear, if Jimbo's listening, I'm not suggesting first overall, but I know that you've been a huge OBJ homer. But the reason I bashed yeah. him has always been because of Eli Manning. I've always been very consistent. I'm yeah. not going all in on a guy that's being thrown to by someone that shouldn't that's be an fair. NFL quarterback. Clearly. And that's changed now. So we'll see what yeah. happens. I mean, you know, uh, well, I, I'm a, I'm not like an anti-wide receiver diva guy. I mean, I think, you know, there's a place for these guys. They're, they can thrive in certain environments, and I, maybe he's going to one right now. I mean, Baker Mayfield's a diva, so we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, and you just mentioned the name that
1: we need to talk about next to talk about real quarterbacks is Baker Mayfield, uh, who him and the, Odell, even before this trade happened, started to have a budding friendship playing each other in video games. And, all that. and again, that sounds stupid to bring up things like that. You know, he's best friends with Landry and he has a friendship with Baker. But when you're talking about such a combustible guy that can just blow up on the sidelines and freak out, like it is important to have those social connections for a guy like Eli Manning. Uh, I mean, for a guy like Odell Beckham, you get rid of an Eli Manning um, and you get Baker. Mayfield in there, and obviously his stock goes flying through the roof with this. We already were so much higher on him, we've talked about it on this podcast at length. He was our QB6 as compared to a QB12 to 13 ranking. And this, of course, will get the sheep to start catching up. You got a guy like Odell Beckham coming in, it's going to send Baker's ADP through the roof. But just how high are they going to put him? And I mean, we were so all in on Pat Mahomes last year, yet. Our ranking, you know, yeah, we had him ten spots higher at like QB nine versus like eighteen for the experts, but that still just didn't reflect how much we praise this guy. And I feel like I'm not going to make that same mistake with Baker because I truly see this guy throwing for five thousand yards and maybe thirty to forty touchdowns. So he's all the way up to my QB three right now with this move from number six. The only guys I take over him, of course, Patrick God Mahomes and Andrew Luck, and that's kind of questionable. I'm not positive I would take Andrew Luck over him. I think I would but maybe I even move Baker all the way up to two and Deshaun Watson in that tier and conversation as well just because he's got so much upside and really picked it up at the end of last year but for me, uh, Baker could go as high as two and right now is my number three quarterback we already loved him because Freddie Kitchens the the continuity of him staying there was huge, when he took over Baker just blew up and had a 4500-38 TD pace and then you add in Todd Munkin who we've already raved about brings those air raid concepts uh, talks about how he likes having fun how can we be explosive, that's what the game's all about big plays I like big plays and now you get the ultimate big play threat to go with the ultimate big play arm and Baker Mayfield this the mix is too perfect the marriage is too beautiful for me not to love everything about Baker Mayfield just like we talked about with Mahomes everything just stacked up so perfectly that the stock score went through the roof there's nothing I don't like about Baker Mayfield's stock profile so why not ranking all the way up at number two That's where he's going for me. I absolutely love him and he's going to be the guy I go all in on. I don't like to take quarterbacks early. I feel like he's going to be like a sixth to seventh rounder that I end up sinking my teeth into though
0: yeah I don't disagree uh, I don't think your quarterback rankings are crazy at all I'd obviously put Mahomes ahead of him um, and then after that it's like question mark it's like you know two or right? two or three guys that maybe might be better but I mean I don't know I, I might take him second I'll be honest I mean yeah. like you could see Luck doing better but it's like one of these things for me in fantasy is I mean I like Baker's weapon, weapons cabinet a little better and I'd rather pull for Baker mm-hmm. I'd rather watch Baker yeah, so I mean like exact- you know if, if I'm like gun to my head, got to pick a quarterback after my Like I would definitely pick Baker before luck. Um, can, Absolutely. Can, can we move on to Antonio Brown? I mean, we did a lot of content well, there on, on, uh, OBJ. That's a lot, but I, I mean, I'm sure there's ton. more,
1: um, well there's have you got to look at the team he leaves behind and also just a quick mention the Do running we, game, is there anybody always,
0: other than Saquon Barkley even worth talking about even for a second
1: we got to talk about Barkley too though uh but before before we get to them just browns wise the running game obviously it helps up Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt that's still a wait and see cuz we don't know how many yeah. games it's going to get i mean let's assume hunt wasn't there i would have chubb at like my number 6 running back right now i mean number 6 overall he would be blowing up through the roof because of this lift li- litter this li- lid- litter uh in odell beckham would just be that much more beneficial so those games that chubb gets as the clear-cut workhorse whether it's six games whether it's 10 games he's going to feast and dominate and maybe that's going to be enough to make it so Cream hunt is just a complimentary piece so chubb definitely takes a nice little hit uh up the rankings as well and if if this suspension ends up being longer than we expect Uh, you could put chubb close to the first round again where he already was ranking this would have been a move that would have sent him to my top five so we still got to wait and see how long that suspension is but this will undoubtedly help the running game looking at the giants impact saquon don't don't take too long on
0: this I I know, I know. We could do a whole podcast
1: on Odell. The Giants are garbage, and who really gives a shit? Uh, But I do want to note, Saquon Barkley was my locked-in number one overall pick. But the surrounding talent, it takes a huge hit. It already wasn't high for him at like 12 because you had Odell stretching the field. But now that he's gone, there's no weapon that's going to take any attention away from Barkley. And yes, he'll get more volume because he's that much more of the focal point. But the efficiency is going to take a severe hit when the defense is just keying on him the entire time. In fact, his fantasy points per game last year dropped pretty significantly when Odell was out. Dropped by five points overall. He had 22 half PPR points, and that went down to like low 18, 17 ish when Odell was out of the lineup. He didn't have that attention getting taken away. His receiving stats surprisingly took a hit when Odell Beckham was there. And when you think back, it makes sense because the middle of the field was so wide open when you had Odell, and then they could just you know key in on Saquon and put their linebacker safeties, everyone in the box and make it more congested there was nobody there separating those guys so his receiving stats took a hit and now Saquon drops uh, down to maybe four or so on my big board below ah, man it's tough Zeke's clearly ahead of him for me maybe even McCaffrey and Kamara and then now it becomes like Barkley uh, I mean maybe Gurley who has his own question marks now I don't know how how far would you drop Barkley in your rankings well I
0: didn't have Barkley number one overall but I did have him very high Uh, I mean and no I I I'm, first of all, I don't have anything in stone, but man, I'm I'm leaning towards McCaffrey right now. Yeah, he's so sexy, dude. Know, he's, he's sexy. He's sexy, and I mean, you know, similar to I'm not going all in on Barkley uh, because I just think the Giants are just garbage, and I get it. He's great, and he's he would rip a big play every game, no matter what. But I just I just even with Odell Beckham on his team, I was just like, how could you possibly go all in on a guy that's? I mean, it reminds me of like when they went all going in all all in on David Johnson like two years ago or whatever, and it's like I just don't. I think Barkley's a better talent, but I just but I just like I don't know. I wouldn't feel comfortable using the number one overall pick. I'd want to take somebody where I was pretty damn sure I was going to get something. Just, like, guaranteed. So, I don't know. Uh, McCaffrey's the guy McCaffrey. that I'm definitely keeping my eye yep. on. Zeke, I, I, it's hard not to love Zeke. Um, Kamara, Camara, we'll, we'll right? see. I mean, I have a little bit of uh, – I'm a little gun-shy with Kamara, but, I mean, I could see going that route too. But Barkley – Now with
1: Ingram gone,
0: you know that – Yeah, now with Ingram gone, it, I'm the interested. Perry's
1: there, yeah, but, like, I, mean, I, I think that's a pretty steep downgrade going from – I mean, I put Ingram- Barkley,
0: uh, you know, top five, lower end of top five, I guess, for me right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. We're going to talk more about Barkley uh, in the future. We're going to talk more about all these guys, obviously. And, yeah. we want Evan to Ingram's to... the last guy, too. Yeah. Evan
1: Ingram's just the one last giant because Sterling Shepard's stats are kind of the same when Odell's been out of the lineup. Obviously, he'll see a little more volume. The efficiency drops, but Evan Ingram's been a monster whenever he's out. He scores at a much higher rate when Beckham's out of the lineup. He averages four more point fantasy points per game when he's out of the lineup, and at such a thin position at tight end. I mean, he crushed it last year over those last four weeks, and he was the tight end two in fantasy when Beckham was out to, to end the season so Evan Ingram gets a nice stock up as well uh other than that the rest of the Giants take a take a pretty serious hit
0: all right Antonio Brown he of the blonde yeah. mustache um oh baby heading to the Raiders um for a third and fifth round pick no, worth noting the Patriots offered the Steelers a second and fourth round pick and were rejected uh, and then proceeded to trade him to Oakland for a third and fifth. First of all, before we move on on this one, how would you feel if he had gone to the Patriots? Oh, I would have loved I mean, it. I mean, would, I know you, would I... you have just had a tent pole down there that and the Beckham thing at the same time? I mean, would you I mean, I don't even know. Like, I wouldn't even be able to talk to you right now, probably.
1: Oh, no, no, there'd be no controlling me. The tent pole is an understatement. Well, I mean, it'd be more like a, a tiny little bean pod, but still, if I could put, sling a tent pole, then that's certainly what would be there. Uh, no, Antonio Brown of the Patriots would have been just a, a wet dream come true. He would have been the perfect fit as the, those routes, those smooth route running, and Brady would have just made this guy a monster. So I wish that happened. Uh, sadly, it did not, but. Uh, in Oakland, oh. I, I think a lot of people are saying it's a funeral for him, and I don't know about that.
0: I don't think it's a funeral for him, but I mean, I could see this not going great. I mean, I think he is—he is an excellent enough receiver where it's not like it's going to be—it's not like it's going to be just a huge bust. I don't see that happening. Uh, I could definitely see him not producing the way he produced for the Steelers. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he definitely takes a hit. It's not going to be as valuable as he was with the Steelers. That's a no-brainer. The surrounding talent takes a hit when you go from Big Ben, a potential Hall of Famer that you had great chemistry with, to now Derek Carr. I mean, that's a no-brainer. You're taking a hit there. And then uh, risk-wise, you get the risk that he quit on his team quite often last year, uh, and now he goes to a more combustible potential situation when he's with a less talented stack. So maybe he he does take a bigger risk hit here. But still, I think the usage is going to stay widely the same. He averaged about 170 targets over his last six years in, in Pittsburgh. It's, it's a lot. It's a heavy amount of volume. But John Gruden has schemed up right around 135 targets per game for his wide receiver ones. And that was in a much run-heavier era. So he he's moves his guys around. He loves you know, to pepper his number one. He also one.
0: never had a guy like Antonio Brown. I mean,
1: And he's never had a guy like Antonio real. Brown. Let's be real. Antonio
0: Brown Lake. is one of the greatest receivers in the history of the NFL. Like that that I don't exactly. I don't think um I don't think that's a particularly hot take. I just think that like that's that's just a fact. Look at what this I remember last year, maybe we were two thirds of the way through the season, and I said to you, Hey, uh, who do you think are the top three guys in the league in touchdowns? And you rattled off a couple guys that were like second and third i was like well who's number one or something and you and you couldn't come up with it for life of you and i was like yeah it's a tough one antonio brown i mean and he just like yeah. he just kind of quietly had like 11 touchdowns at like you know through like 10 games or something and we never right, even we never even noticed. 15 last year yeah we never right, even noticed exactly. that the guy was just like oh right antonio brown catches a touchdown every single freaking week you know
1: Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's money. I mean, he's still a 30 for 30 individual talent. We just talked about Beckham being one of the best in the game. I do think Antonio Brown, maybe only Hopkins is better and maybe not. Maybe Antonio Brown's even better than him. It's right up there. Those three are my, my personal top three. So yeah, he's, He's a perfect 30-for-30 talent-wise. The usage, as we mentioned, doesn't take a huge hit here. Uh, And John Gruden is already, even last year, before they faced the Steelers, was raving. Antonio Brown, you can move him anywhere. You can throw it to him when he's covered. There's not a route this guy you can drop, and this guy can't run. So he was gushing praise already, and he went out and got his guy. That's the perfect type of wide receiver, one main vein uh, for him. And remember, before Amari Cooper ruined it last year, Gruden had 11 out of 11 straight seasons with a 1,000-yard or more wide receiver. Receiver, so his scheme is great for number one receivers obviously Antonio Brown's as good as it gets talent wise so usage will be there so yes you take a couple hits with surrounding talent but Derek Carr I think it's going to get ex- over exaggerated how bad of a hit this is because it was just a couple years ago this guy was in the MVP conversation he was off 32 touchdowns and nearly 4,000 yards last year he sets career highs and completion percentage at 68 percent and passing yards at over 4,000 he has yes a pathetic 19 touchdowns so So everyone just forgets that he had probably his best actual career year besides that MVP season under Gruden, and that was with complete garbage to throw to. So you give him Antonio Brown, I think he can make enough plays happen, and maybe Gruden goes out and gets Kyler Murray anyways. He's been linked to him quite a bit. So yes, he takes a hit surrounding talent-wise, risk-wise, but still, he's an absolute monster, and I'm – I'm not overreacting here. He's still in my top 15 overall. He's my number four receiver or number five now that Odell Beckham's jumped in there. He's right after Julio Jones for me. Antonio Brown is uh, leading off that second round type of uh, draft range for me. And I see a lot of people throwing him to the back end of round two or really? saying this is going to be a funeral for him in the Raiders Can't uniform. It, seem, it seems ugly, but it really isn't. I think Antonio Brown's going to feast just as he always has.
0: Yeah, I think he'll have a really I mean right, let me give you some over unders because I, I heard on another podcast yesterday, uh, a gambling podcast, um that uh you know, about some of his over unders right now that have come off after the trade to the Ravens. So I know you're a guy that likes okay. the that likes the over, always loves the over, right? Yeah. And uh, you're
1: probably gonna hammer it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm assuming you're gonna hammer the but, but I so anyway, um over under twelve hundred and fifty receiving yards, what do you think?
1: I take take it
0: over. I haven't projected for fourteen hundred myself. Okay, and over under nine and a half touchdowns.
1: I have eleven touchdowns, so I'll take the over. And there you are you're...
0: hammering the over. I'll say all these guys on the podcast all went over, all went under on both things. They were, really yeah, okay. Like, it was so like four guys, and disparity. I mean, I listened to them a decent amount. Like I, you know, at least a couple of the guys, like I take pretty seriously, and uh, you know, they all were just like no, under, way under. And they said the touchdowns specifically. They were like, yeah, definitely under. So we'll see what else to throw to. I mean,
1: Jared Cook led the team in receiving last year, and he's gone this year. He yeah. had the 101 targets and 900 yards, six TDs. He's gone. So <laughs> there's literally no one else there. I mean, they signed Tyrell Williams just today. So that oh, always wow. helps. So he I, think that's
0: a big, I think that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I Tyrell really, Williams like, is really good. He's I think Tyrell's definitely a great deep threat. He's gonna clear out that space for Antonio Brown to dominate underneath. So I think it's a big move for, for the entire team and it helps Antonio Brown even further. So I, I like that a lot. Just
0: as an aside, we need to get Grant Cohn on the podcast. I wanna hear what he has to say about this. I'll bet, I'll bet he's just losing it right now. He's got to have a lot of thoughts yeah. on this. Who, who would you take?
1: Antonio Brown? And We're going to talk about the impact on the Steelers, so this kind of transitions okay. to it. Go ahead. Would you take Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster, who's now the number one target over there uh, in, in Pittsburgh? Where do you lean?
0: I lean towards Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what do you, where mean, do you lean? I, I, I lean Brown as well. I was hoping we get into a little debate here, but no. I lean Brown as well.
0: I mean, let's look at Juju. I mean, and look, the Steelers are obviously a much more established commodity. Okay, but like, Bell's gone. Now, granted, Bell wasn't there last year, so maybe don't read too much into that. Um, Roethlisberger is just a year older. I mean, he already doesn't look like he used to look. I mean, yeah, he's still a really good quarterback. He's a, he's an excellent NFL quarterback. But, I mean, like, he's not what he used to be. He's a year older. He just lost the guy that's opposite him. I mean, like Antonio Brown. Playing opposite Antonio Brown's pretty nice. I know I've seen the splits. Um, and I got to say, the thing, you know, the splits as far as Juju playing with Antonio Brown and without him, the thing that jumped out at me the most about that is like, wow, Juju's really good because I don't think he was like markedly better uh, with or without him. He just like he seems like the guy pretty much produces. What do you think?
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's what made me. And that's what still makes me a little bit nervous. Here is the fact that you're you're now going from a a clear cut number two attention point of the defense to now the clear cut number one. But he's had that happen in the past. Only three games so far in his young career that's happened. Uh, But the splits are very good in that he actually averaged four more fantasy points per game from 13 to 17. Uh, He handled the the higher targets and all that quite well. He scored in all three games that he had uh, without Antonio Brown, including. A monster uh, nine catch 143 one T yep. effort in Week 17 versus the Browns last year. Uh, so this guy has gotten it done without Brown. I am nervous though. I mean, now that he is the clear cut, you can prepare for him and and know that this is the one guy you got to take out of the game. That makes me nervous. the The vacated volume is enormous. There's over 240 targets available now with Jesse James and Antonio Brown out. Yeah. That's that's third highest target share in the NFL that's been vacated. And the most, uh, the second now, most Now That's a value
0: of- hole right there. There.
1: Absolutely, an yeah, absolute value hold that juju stepping in and filling 2547 available air yards from last year air targets uh, it's got to go yards. somewhere and not air
0: yards air target that? you said air yards air targets uh, right so two yeah
1: 240 targets and 20 uh, 2500 air yards yeah, yeah, that's, so yeah that's, that's way
0: different okay that,
1: that's a significant amount of of yards that's and targets a big sure. piece of the aerial pie absolutely and and he is of course the main guy to step in and, and go and take that I do think he's talented enough to succeed without Antonio Brown, but there is a a definite bigger risk with this guy uh, coming into the year. So, for me, if it's an Antonio Brown or Juju debate, and I've seen guys, you know, fantasy giants like Evan Silva of Roto World, who I do respect very much, come out and say it's absolutely Juju and it's not even close at this point. And to me, just the yes, I get the QB differential, but the risk of now facing number one attention for the first time, it it offsets that for me and and it favors Antonio Brown. my opinion and then other than that uh, the sneaky sleeper who I wasn't even thinking of and then it just crossed my mind last night after Jesse James left was Vance McDonald he's the only tight end there maybe the the number yeah. two target now but I mean obviously you got the running backs they they love throwing the running backs there and James Conner and maybe now Jalen Samuels picks up some more slack and volume he played tight end obviously in college and that was a whole debate for another time
0: uh, <laughs> oh but- you got to remember he's uh, on Yahoo he's a tight end Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he has even more – fan. Uh, one of my favorite penny stocks is going well below 150 in best ball drafts right now. I mean as a handcuff, he already had a ton of value, and he's got the benefits of the fact that Kevin Colbert said, we want to go back to the committee we had in week 17. It worked really well for us. So that might be more of a committee backfield. Jalen Samuels could gobble up targets. Has the 60-70 reception upside right now, and he's getting drafted in the 150s. Makes no sense. But Vance McDonald, athletic freak, seam stretcher. That's going to inherit some of that aerial pie, no doubt. So he's a guy that bumps all the way up from like a a no one I was even considering drafting to tight end eight in my rankings behind Evan Ingram, who we were just talking about. He could have a really big blow up year uh, for the Steelers with such heavy aerial pie available to him.
0: Alright, agreed, and this is going to be this is going to be really fun to see how this pans out and so those are two huge trades that landed two alpha wide receivers on different teams, we'll see what happens, one makes us really excited one is kind of wait and see, but, but make no mistake, we still think both these guys are going to produce like crazy, uh, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell, I mean, you know, this guy did not play last year, much to our surprise, and I would say the surprise of most people that you asked, I mean, almost nobody thought the guy was going to sit the whole year Um, arguably the best fantasy player out there uh, going into last year. Amazing, you know, just second-to-none pass catcher out of the backfield. Like Jamal Charles, but he's been maybe doing it like a little longer. Um, And the guy just hits hits holes out of the backfield so well. Obviously running behind a pretty good offensive line in Pittsburgh for a while now. Obviously playing with Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, etc., um, going to the Jets now. I said to you on the pod, I, I want to say it was probably just last podcast. I was like, "Man, what if like he goes to somebody like the Jets? Like, what a disappointment that would be." I specifically said the Jets, and we both kind of had a little laugh yeah. about it. He's on the Jets. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely di- disappointing, especially at first glance. Uh, it, it, jets just carry that gross stigma yeah, about them. It's not a great. They really do. They suck. Uh, Their line was the 30th ranked last year. The overall offense was among the lowest point scorers in the league. But there's some reasons for optimism here. I mean, one, you got an amazing talent in Le'Veon Bell, the most versatile guy in the NFL, the premier zone runner that just reads defenses and has the patience and hits the hole at the perfect time. He's such a great runner and then even better as a pass catcher. So you've got this guy that thrives as a versatile workhorse uh, and that... Facet And Gase has used versatile workhorses quite well. I get that the last two years with the Dolphins, he's really gotten this stigma as a, an awful committee-style coach that doesn't ever ride a single guy. Uh, but I think that's a bit tainted over these last couple of years. Since uh, in 2013 through 2016, this guy was a, a real workhorse bell cow breeder. No Sean Moreno had 1,586 yards from scrimmage and 13 total touchdowns. C.J. Anderson racked up nearly 1,200 total yards, 10 TDs, and only seven starts. Uh, Forte had 1,287 yards from scrimmage and 7 TDs in just 13 games Jay Ajayi 1,423 yards and 8 TDs and, and 12 2016 starts so I mean this guy does have a decent track record I know the recency bias will tell you otherwise but he has a solid track record uh, developing all purpose workhorses and there's no one better than uh, Le'Veon Bell in fact he has a quote Gase said just a few years ago describing Ajayi who this didn't pan out it <laughs> ended up fucking trading him away and it sucked for everybody but we went all in. A Jai, thinking he's going to be the next workhorse, because he says that in my offense, I want a guy that can do it all. You can protect the quarterback, you can run the ball, you can catch the ball. Uh, We can't just be a you're a first and second down back, uh, and then look. We want guys that can stay on the field on all three downs. We're not looking to sub personnel. We want to keep you know we want to be in great shape, stay out there and just run them. um, So that way defenses can't key on us. They can't switch out somebody during the drive. We want somebody that starts the drive, that finishes the series, uh, and and just has that all day. Down style back, so that's Gase's offense when it's at its best, when he has those style guys, and there's no one better than Le'Veon Bell, 406 touches the last time he was on the field, the guy can shoulder an offense, we talked about the line sucking the 30th ranked offensive line by Pro Football Focus, they did add some beef though they traded with the Ravers, uh, Raiders to get Kalishi o- Osmeli who was injured all last year kind of a shitty season for him because he didn't play much and when he played he, he wasn't effective because he was hurt, but just the-, the year before when healthy he was dominant especially in the run game 85 uh overall grade by Pro Football Focus from 2016 uh 76 the year before so consistent solid pro football focus rating solid guard and maybe even more importantly the jets despite sucking were interestingly uh one of the best zone blocking teams when they use the outside zone co- concept their backs average 2.7 yards before contact on those runs which is the third best in the league and the outside zone is bell's Le'Veon bell's staple so as gross as it all seems on paper there's really underlying things that you can dig into and say you know what there is some upside here he drops from like seven or eight on my rankings because i was hoping he'd go to like a chiefs or a buccaneers to now 12 ish he's still a fringe first rounder in my opinion though because I do think there's some sneaky upside there's always upside when you got a talent like Le'Veon Bell
0: yeah I mean I was gonna be my obvious question is where do you take this guy I mean where do you put him like eighth amongst backs maybe
1: yeah, right around RB eight. I think there's like seven guys I have ahead of him. Then there's uh, a nice tier of receivers that I would take over him. That whole DeAndre Hopkins, now Odell Beckham, and and Julio Jones tier. But I would take Le'Veon Bell right at the end of the first round, right ahead of James Conner. I would say uh, is where I slide him. So Gordon's right above um, above Le'Veon Bell, and then James Conner right below him is kind of where I slide him into my running back rankings.
0: Do you think if somebody's like you know? I guess this doesn't come up too much, but I mean if you're in a keeper league or something like that, multiple keepers, and maybe somebody's like, oh my gosh, Le'Veon Bell's going to the Jets. I mean you'd be interested. You'd be a buyer, right?
1: Uh, if they're going to sell him for cheap because it is going well, right. to work. I mean course.
0: obviously it depends on the uh, price. but
1: Yeah. You're, say, you're saying would I buy Le'Veon Bell or would I be trying to sell him?
0: No. Would you be a buyer if somebody was like, oh man, he went to the Jets. I got to get off this guy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean it's a workhorse and like I said, there's underrated – pieces of upside that get kind of clouded in the shittiness that was the Jets. Never mind the fact that you know Sam Darnold takes the next step as a quarterback. Gase is supposed to be a quarterback whisperer. If he takes that next step, they got some decent receivers on the outside and the offense just takes a leap forward. Then maybe Bell could really explode here if he gets that volume that Adam Gase used to give his guys and this offense does take that next step. There is some upside. There's of course the injury risk too. Bell's missed significant time in multiple seasons, but overall, yeah, I'd be a buyer. Anytime you can get a, a three-down horse and an ascending offense. I think the Jets do take a step forward as an offense, and I think Bell could have himself a decent season. So if somebody's like, oh, this is gross, and they're trying to sell him low, uh, I'm all in. I'd, I'd buy him, yeah.
0: What do you think of Sam Darnold this year?
1: I like Darnold. I think he is a legit quarterback, and I think he does. I think Gase can develop QBs quite well, put him in some good positions to succeed. They got a nice slot weapon in Jamison Crowder, so there's not like a true number one there, but Anderson's obviously got the, the speed to burn down the defense. You got a nice slot weapon in Crowder, and Noon was a big body that can move the chains as well. So it, between Bell and those three receivers, and then Erndon, a, a solid tight end, it's just like it's not sexy, but it's enough to move the ball, I think, pretty efficiently. So. I'm
0: into it. All right, um, you heard it here, folks. This is our Rotor Street Journal uh, mega, super, gigantic trade slash best free agent on the market show. Uh, we talked about yeah. a- OBJ, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, but we're actually going to come back probably tomorrow. Do you want to tell the people so, what so. what uh, your your audio is breaking up a little bit right now? Just so you know, your your your, 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 shitty, <laughs> your shitty microphone is really being exposed right now. So rather than rather than kick it over to you, I'm just going to say right now, uh, tomorrow when we talk, we're going to go risers, fallers, penny stocks. Obviously, there's still a few big ones. We've got the Coleman signing. We've got Golden Tate still without a home. Might not be the case by tomorrow. Lots of dominoes left to fall. We're going to cover it all tomorrow. Um, I want to kick it to the wolf, but I mean, everything he says is just garbled static right now that you just heard it there, folks. So you're going to appreciate that at the end of this podcast. Um, Obviously, uh, my name's Nat, the Truth Jones. With me, as always, is The Wolf. And we'll be back tomorrow to finish this uh, stuff up. And hopefully, The Wolf will have a more competent microphone by then. But we hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, episode 71 in the books. We'll see you tomorrow for Episode 72. Later. We used to have it all. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd take our final bow, oh it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, 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 at least we stole the show. Straight ahead, Devlin, second effort, third effort, touchdown, oh, 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 That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.